right, let me pray for us before we uh, think further about thankfulness. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for all your goodness to us, uh, but we also pray for your forgiveness for our thanklessness. Uh, in many ways, we are presumptive. Uh, please, we pray, as we reflect together on this theme of thankfulness, uh, move our hearts to be more thankful and more joyful for all your goodness to us, we pray. Amen. As a five-year-old boy, there was one aspect of Christmas that I particularly remember but didn't enjoy, and that was writing thank you cards for all the presents I'd received. Uh, I was blessed to have many relatives who were firstly still alive at the time and secondly generous, and we usually got a great mound of presents. But the thanking them for them was something which I found I viewed as a bit of an onerous task. Uh, the list of presents seemed overwhelmingly long and my motivation pathetically short, and the task would often drag on into the new year. Uh, it took a few years for my infant brain to work out the equation that present plus ungrateful brat equals declining supply of future presents. Uh, thankfulness did not come naturally to me, and my motive for thankfulness could only be galvanized by the prospect of significant future loss through a dwindling supply of gifts. The problem of thanklessness. It is not confined to small, indolent children. The Bible says that thanklessness is at the heart of humanity's problem. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is explaining why the world is in such a mess. And at the root of Paul's diagnosis is a spiritual problem. Uh, humanity has willfully rejected God and incurred God's judgment. So Romans 1 verse 18 says this, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth, that is about him, by their wickedness. However, uh, when we look more closely at Paul's spiritual dissection of the human heart, we notice something surprising. At the heart of the problem is a thankless heart. At Romans 1 verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, whenever I've read this verse in the past, uh, it's always seemed a, a little bit of a, like an anticlimax to me. Uh, can it really be that the source of all the evil and the suffering and the misery in the world is a failure to say thank you? Uh, do all the problems of the world really boil down to nothing more than bad manners? Uh, but did you notice that Paul's autopsy discovered two tumors in the human heart. Uh, verse 21 again says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. So you see, a failure to thank God is in some way linked to a failure to honor God. Uh, thanklessness is part and parcel 
of a rebellious spirit that refuses to treat God as God. Our reluctance to thank is tied to our refusal to acknowledge God and to give Him the glory that is His due. Now, you could say that um, a thankless spirit is a bit like plagiarism. Uh, Plagiarism, of course, is the refusal to acknowledge our sources. Uh, We make out that we've written something, and it's all our own work and ideas. Uh, Plagiarism is when we're unwilling to acknowledge our dependence on someone else and give them the thanks and the credit that is their due. And so it is with humanity and God. Uh, Cosmic unthankfulness flows out of the human desire to be self-sufficient. We want to have control of our lives. We want to keep our hands on the steering wheel. We want to call the shots. We want to decide what is right and wrong. And if we were to truly thank God and acknowledge that everything we have is from His hand, then it follows that we would have obligations to this God. If He is that great and that glorious, then it would require us to humble our hearts and to bow our knee in worship. And so, a refusal to thank God goes hand in hand with an unwillingness to treat God as God, to love Him, to trust Him, and to submit to Him. Now then, the case study of Old Testament Israel shows us how this thankless spirit played out in their everyday life. I'm going to see two things. Uh, In hard times, we see Israel failing to trust and to thank God. But also in good times, we see Israel failing to remember and to thank God. I'm going to look at each of those in turn. So firstly, uh, Israel's failure to trust and to thank God in hard times. Uh, Spoiler alert, uh, in our current overview sermon series, we will shortly see God rescuing Israel from their slavery in Egypt. And in the contest of kingship between, on the one hand, the Pharaoh, and on the other hand, God Yahweh, God's power and might are seen and acknowledged eventually by friend and foe alike. Pharaoh is eventually compelled by Yahweh's mighty hand to let the people go. Yet how do these freshly liberated Israelites respond to God? They are now on a journey to the luscious land that God has promised them. But like small, irritating children on a long road trip, they continually ask, are we there yet? Uh, They are now in the desert. And life now has different challenges to those of slavery in Egypt. The desert is a place of scarcity and hardship. And the key question is this. Will they live in the light of God's revelation and His promises? Uh, Yahweh is the mighty God who has rescued them with great acts of power. Uh, Yahweh is the God who has promised to now bring them to the promised land. But the question is this. On the journey... Will they trust God? Uh, Will they live out that creature-creator relationship of trust, of submission, and love? And tragically, of course, they don't. 
rather than trusting God and thanking Him for all His goodness to them, they do the exact opposite. Uh, The vacuum created by the absence of trust and thankfulness is quickly filled with distrust and whinging and complaining. In their spiritual journey, they come to a fork in the road, uh, to trust or not to trust, to thank or to grumble, to be content or to complain, and they chose the road more traveled. And the remainder of the Old Testament gives significant airtime to analyzing Israel's error. And the conclusion of the rest of the Old Testament is clear. Their complaining flowed out of hearts that refused to trust. Look at Psalm 78, uh, verse 18. It says this, They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the desert? Verse 18, verse 2, For they did not believe in God or trust in His deliverance. You see, their grumbling represented a failure to trust in God's promise to bring them home. Psalm 106, verse 24 says this, Then they despised the pleasant lands They did not believe His promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. So you see, thanklessness and grumbling refuse to share the same bed together. Uh, Trust and complaining cannot coexist. How should Israel have responded? Uh, What would it have looked like if they had lived in the light of God's revelation and His promises. It would have looked like this. They'd have said, God, I am going to trust You. Life is hard at the moment. Resources are in short supply. We've had to leave our air-conditioned houses behind in Egypt. I get it. But I'm not going to grumble, and I'm not going to complain. There are many things that I can thank You for, Hence, even though life is hard, I'm going to choose to thank you. I know you will be faithful to your promise to bring us to the promised land. I know that on the journey, there there you will provide everything that I need. I know that nothing that is needful will you withhold, and nothing that is harmful will you give. So for now, I will thank you for your presence with us and your provision for us in the present. And for now, I will trust you for the road ahead. That is what Israel should have said. It's what they failed to say. So, uh, the first thing then we've seen in Israel's history is a failure to trust and to thank God in hard times. Uh, Faith said, choose the road of trusting and thanking but instead they chose the road of wavering and complaining. And yet, when we look at Israel's history, something startling becomes evident. A great irony becomes apparent. A lack of thankfulness is not just a temptation in hard times. Thanklessness can easily be alive and well in 
good times too. We know, of course, it takes 40 years for Israel to finally come to the borders of the land flowing with milk and honey. Hardship and scarcity is about to give way to prosperity and abundance. And yet God foresees the great danger. And God therefore prompts Moses to warn the people prior to entering the land. And he says this through Moses, Deuteronomy 8, verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. As they revel in the abundance of the land, what are they exhorted to do? To praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you to thank Him, to praise Him for all His goodness to them, to live lives of constant thanksgiving, to reflect on the good land being the blessing of their good God. And what is the danger that stands before them? Uh, Did you notice it in verse 11? Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. It's that Anzac Day exhortation, lest we forget. You see, in in hard times, the danger was a failure to trust. But in good times, the danger is a failure to attribute. Uh, Look what Moses says next, Deuteronomy 8, verse 17. You may say to yourselves, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenants, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. You see, the danger is that thankfulness is replaced by presumption. Uh, the creature becomes more prominent and the creator fades into the background. Uh, The sinful, proud, independent spirit asserts itself. It says this, hey, I'm a self-made man or a self-made woman. My success is purely a result of my own hard work. And thankfulness, therefore, to the true source of our success fades to grey. You see, it's actually the spiritual sin of plagiarism. We are unwilling to acknowledge our dependence on another source, God, and to give him the thanks and credit that is due. We say instead, I've established my life and I'm in control of my life. Uh, Sadly, uh, Moses' warning fell on deaf ears. In the land they did forget God. 
and the heavy boot of presumption crushed any tender green shoots of thankfulness. If Israel had lived as they should, their hearts would have been filled with thankfulness every day for the abundance they enjoyed. They wouldn't have taken for granted the blessings of life. So, uh, the first thing we've seen then is this tedious tendency to thanklessness. Uh, Secondly now, let's look at the healing habit of thankfulness. Jesus Christ comes, and Jesus Christ comes to restore what we could not. Uh, On the cross, the wrath of God is revealed, but it's not against us, but against Jesus. On the cross, Jesus takes our punishment for our failure to glorify God and to give thanks to Him. And to those who receive him, Christ now invites them to live lives as God intended, every day with joyful thankfulness. Uh, Christ restores us to the good life. Uh, Christ gives us back an appreciation for the creation as God intended it. Uh, Christ guards our hearts against the heresy of cold, dour aestheticism. Look at 1 Timothy 4, verse 3. Uh, Speaking of some people who are uh, espousing this heresy, it says this, They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with Thanksgiving. Uh, Thankfulness is powerful. You see, thankfulness infuses our relationship with God with a fresh vitality. Uh, In 2006, when I got married, uh, one of our friends gave us uh, a very good quality bread knife uh, for a wedding gift. Uh, It must have cost him a small fortune. I think it's one of those German brands. You know what German products are like. Well-engineered but very expensive. And often now, uh, as this wonderfully engineered blade slices its way effortlessly through loaves, I'm reminded, in my mind, of Graham. How generous of Graham to spend all that money to give me this beautiful bread knife. In my mind, I make the connection between the gift and the giver. You see, our lives consist of many blessings, Uh, Take a moment to construct a mental list of some of the good things in your life, in your mind. Life itself, health, food, clothing, family, friends, money, hobbies, salvation in Jesus, work, housing, Joy, sex, satisfaction, holidays, children, recreation. And the list could go on and on and on. But the point is this. When you consider these things, where does your mind go? Uh, Do you make the connection between the gift and the giver? To whom do you attribute their source? Uh, 
Uh, James 1 verse 17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. If I look at my own heart and life, I see the mildew of presumption everywhere. I take so much for granted. I just assume that these good things are the baseline for life. I rarely take time to consider their source. Of the ten lepers healed by Jesus, honestly, I would probably fall into the group of nine who failed to come back to thank him. Which of those two groups would you fall into? You see, in our abundance, are we not in danger of making the same mistake as Israel in the land flowing with milk and honey? Are we not in danger of failing to thank God for all our material and spiritual blessings? Are we not in danger of succumbing to spiritual plagiarism, of saying, everything I have is the product of my own hard work? You see, thanklessness carries consequences. Uh, presumption will impoverish our relationship with God. And yet, on the other hand, if we cultivate a spirit of thankfulness, it infuses depth and warmth into our relationship with God. Our spirits are refreshed and renewed in Him. You see, we were never intended to live life as fully self-sufficient individuals. And it is a grateful heart that reminds us ultimately that God is the giver of all our good gifts. And it's not just the large-scale blessings of life for which we can be thankful. We can find cause to thank God for even the little things in the moment-by-moment -moment run of everyday life. Thank you, God, for this beautiful, gentle breeze on this hot summer day. Thank you, God, for the glorious color of this sunset. Thank you, God, for the beauty of this candle-lit dinner. And as I remember that every good and perfect gift is from above, it causes me to also then gaze upwards. I take my eyes off myself and my problems, and I focus them on God, the giver of all good things. And as I look to God rather than myself, I also then am reminded who is in control. Actually, it's not me. I'm in the hands of Yahweh, the mighty rescuing God. God is not only the provider, but the protector. He watches over my life. And as that truth seeps down into the groundwater of my heart, it keeps me humbly dependent on Him. It encourages me to trust Him rather than to grumble when life gets tough. You see, Scripture exhorts us not to make the same mistake as Israel in the desert. Uh, Philippians 2 verse 14 says this, uh, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. You see, a heart of gratitude leaves no room for a heart of complaining. It's actually impossible to be truly grateful and at the same time to grumble. Uh, it's actually said that it takes 21 days to form a habit uh, why not try to cultivate 
the healing habit of thankfulness because it is the balm to a dry and arid soul. Uh, why not, over the next 21 days, set aside just five minutes each day to thank God for aspects of His goodness to you and to reflect on that in your heart? For as 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, indeed, we do want to give thanks with a grateful heart. Uh, on this Palm Sunday, we reflect on and are mindful of the Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross for us to make that greater sacrifice. And therefore, we do indeed want to thank you for salvation as well as creation. Uh, you have filled our life with so many good things. We're, you've given us the creation to enjoy, but to enjoy it with thankful hearts that are warmed uh, towards you. Uh, so we do indeed want to thank you for creation and also for redemption, for all your goodness to us. Help us, therefore, to develop the habit of thankfulness and for that to feed into our hearts and to warm them such that our daily walk with you is a walk of grateful uh, communion and interaction with you as we just share in our hearts the joy we experience in so many different aspects of the good things you've given us in our lives. Amen.